0: The The Anchor of the Soul soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. Many would place the life of Job somewhere between chapters 10 through 12 in the book of Genesis, and that would be a probability. Job was a patriarch, and one of the noble individuals referred to in Scripture. You remember in James chapter 5, James would say, you have heard of the patience or perseverance of Job, and seen the end intended by the Lord, that he is very compassionate and merciful. And so tonight, let's think for a minute or two about this fellow by the name of Job, and one of the things that I want to just maybe call attention to. When you read this book, you have to be impressed with the fact that life as we know it can change incredibly fast. I remember talking to a friend of mine who told me on one occasion that on one day life was good The next day, he was informed that he had cancer. Eighteen months later, he had departed this life. That's how quickly things can change in this life. And so, Job, no exception. God's people, past and present, have certainly borne this out in their lifetime. So let's look at the book of Job. I want to begin tonight by, first of all, calling your attention to the character of this man that we call Job. Now, Job... Lived in the land of Oz, and many have placed this in the area of Edom, southwest of the Dead Sea, somewhere in the region of northern Arabia. And listen to what the text says about him, beginning in verse one: There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned or turned away from evil. What a tremendous compliment! this man of God. Here was an individual that was a credit to the human family. There have been, as you well know, any number of people that have been a discredit to the human family. And they have brought shame and reproach upon the good name of heaven. But such was not the case with this man by the name of Job. Here was an individual who was morally and ethically pure, someone who sought to the best of his ability to turn away from that which is evil. Think about the words of Paul when he said, abstain from the very form or appearance of evil. The text tells us in verse 2 that Job was a man that had been blessed with a large family. He had seven sons and three daughters. And not only that, but financially he was secure. In verse 3, the Bible says his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. So, had a great family, a good family. The Bible also says that he was a man of immense wealth. And then verse 4, His sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had their course that Job would send and sanctify them and would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. So Job functioned as a priest in his family, didn't he? Again, reminding us of that period of the patriarchs. And Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And then note this, thus did Job regularly. Here was a man that walked with God. It wasn't an on-again, off-again relationship with God. It wasn't hot and cold, but rather here was someone who sought to the best of his ability to live in harmony with the will of God. Now, there's a second thing I want to call your attention to. We talk about the character of Job, but now the conflict of Job. The first thing that I want you to be aware of, there is an acknowledgement from heaven. Look at verse 6. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking back and forth. On it. Do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5? Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That was true during the days of Peter, and guess what? It was true during the days of Job. And if we were to go back to the garden and look at the sin that crept its way into the human family, where did all that begin? The overtures of Satan, the devil. The devil hasn't changed. The devil is bent on destroying the human family. And so the Bible says, beginning in verse 8, that the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Now, just pause there for a minute. God had confidence in Job, didn't he? God believed in the faith of this patriarch. So he asked the question, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. Does God have that kind of confidence in your character? Does God believe that deeply in your faith? And so listen to what the text says. Verse 9, Satan responded by saying, does God fear Job for nothing? Have you not made a hedge or protected him? Not only have you made a hedge around him, but around his household, around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Now note, if you would, the accusation. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Basically what Satan is saying is, Why wouldn't Job serve you, God? I mean, look at all you've done for him. You have blessed him richly. He's got a large household. He's got got a good family. He is abundantly wealthy. I mean, he would be foolish not to serve you. But let me tell you what, God, you strip all that away from him and see how faithful he is now. Well, you know, we might do well to ask the question, Are we going to be faithful to God when tough times come in life? It's easy to be faithful to God, or it's easier to be faithful to God during good times, isn't it? You know, when life's going well, when the ship's moving in the right direction. But how do we handle adversity, trouble, and trial? When tough times come, when difficulties arise in our lives, how do we handle that? And so, God said in verse 12, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, or in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. And The text says that Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And then beginning in verse 13, we have a series of messages that come to Job. Messages that bring bad news, grave news. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 13. There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. A messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing, the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed, they've killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone am escaped to tell you. And then note verse 13, or rather verse 16, three times this expression is used. While he was still speaking. Another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven, burned up the sheep, the servants, and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped." While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young men, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. How would you have handled that? Can you imagine, in just a very short span of time, Basically, everything that is near and dear to your heart is gone. I was telling somebody, I think it was today or yesterday, I remember some years back when my dad and I had the opportunity to drive out to the country. His people were from a little community just outside of Chattanooga. When my dad was two months old, and the year was 1933, My dad's oldest brother had just turned 15, and he drowned. Two years later, my dad's mother died, succumbed to TB. And I remember going to the gravesite with my dad and standing there, first time I'd ever been to their graves. And the thought occurred to me, how did my grandfather handle that? Within the span of two years, he made a trip out to a small country cemetery to bury two people that he loved dearly. How would you handle adversity and loss? Listen to what the text says about Job. Verse 20, Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed. Be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Chapter 2, the story continues. And again, the Bible tells us that Satan comes to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come from? And Satan said, from going to and fro in the earth, from walking back and forth in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. On the earth, a blameless, upright man, one who fears God, shuns evil. And listen to this, and he still holds fast to his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. In other words, Satan, you did everything within your power to destroy this good man. Guess what? Didn't work. But listen to what Satan said. Satan's not done. He said to the Lord, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he'll give for his life. What Satan was saying to God was, every man has his price. We all have a point at which maybe we'll jump ship. Every man's got his price. You put forth your hand and touch him, and guess what? He'll curse you to your face. And so in verse 5, again, stretch out your hand now, touch his bone, his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he's in your hand, but spare his life. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, struck Job with painful boils, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. In verse 8, the Bible says, He took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. And then his wife She asked, do you still hold to your integrity? Curse God and die. But listen to what Job said. Now, you have to assume here that Mrs. Job wasn't quite as strong spiritually as Job was. She said, curse God and die. But he said, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity in all this? Job did not sin with his lips. So Job has experienced intense heartache and sorrow. The depth of his loss, I'll never know. In verse 11, the Bible informs us of the comforters of Job. In verse 11, the Bible says that when his three friends heard of all of his adversity... They each one came from his own place. They made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And Look at verse 12. I think verse 12 is somewhat of a sad commentary on the physical condition of Job. When they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days, seven nights. No one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. These men were troubled by the physical appearance of Job, weren't they? Have you ever seen somebody that has been devastated by some type of physical loss in this life? Somebody who has literally been, as we would say, gutted. And they have been brought to their knees. Their pain, agony, the depth of human suffering, it's almost incomprehensible. That's the picture I have of Job. Here's a man that is writhing in agony. And so his friends come for the purpose of comforting him. Sadly, when they began their narrative as to why all of these events have happened in the life of Job, their conclusions, their arguments were skewed. And the idea was, Job, surely you've done something to merit this type of trouble in your life. You know, people have long since questioned suffering and the righteousness of God. And there are some who would say that, you know, if you're suffering, then you did something to merit that. Now, I would grant that there are certain things in life that we can do that can bring about human suffering. There are things that other people can do that can impose upon us heartache and trouble in life. But you remember in John chapter 9 when Jesus gave sight to a man born blind. The disciples asked him on that occasion, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents. So we know the cause of Job's heartache. And I'm not sure the book, that is this book, ever gives the reason, at least, Job's never informed as to why all of these events have taken place in his life. Now, very quickly, I want you to look at chapter 3 very quickly, because I want to just make a couple of observations here. In chapter 3, the text says that after Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth, that he spoke and said, May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said, A male child is conceived. Drop down, look if you would, at verse 11. Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? You ever heard somebody say, I wish I had never been born. Listen, Job is despondent. He's been crushed. He is hurting in agony. So in verse 12, he asks the question, why did the knees receive me or why the breast that I should nurse? For now I would have lain still and been quiet. I would have been asleep. Then I would have been at rest. Drop down if you would, look at verse 20. Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter soul? Who long for death, but it does not come, and search for it more than hidden treasures? Who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave? Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes before I eat. My groanings pour out like water. And then verse 25. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not eased, nor am I quiet, I have no rest, for trouble comes. Sometimes our, our greatest fears in life are realized, aren't they? You know, what's the absolute worst scenario that you can contemplate in your mind? The loss of a child? The loss of your, of your material goods? The loss of your health? You know, there are a lot of scenarios that we could conjure up in our minds, and there are a lot of things that could play out that could be incredibly hurtful to us. But what's the worst case scenario? Job said, You know, what I greatly feared, that's what's come upon me. Well, Job, what'd you lose? He lost his wealth, he lost his health, he lost his family. He lost the support of his wife. I mean, here's a guy in many respects, with the exception of these three individuals that have come to mourn and comfort him. He's all alone, isn't he? But to remember that no matter what happens to us in this life, those of us who belong to God, who's with us? God is. Now, Let me ask this question. When trouble and trial come in life, Is it not the case that we, in some ways, find out what we're made of? Isn't that the case? Do you remember in James chapter 1 when James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials? Hard to experience adversity in life, and maybe during the moment, if you please, see the silver lining. You know, when you're in the midst of a storm, it's hard to say, you know what, all is well. But once we get through the storm and come out on the other side, is it possible that then we can look back and reflect upon what we've experienced and say, you know what, there's some things I learned. There are some things that I have learned about myself. You know, Job would say over in chapter 13, verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I may not necessarily have all the answers and I may not necessarily understand exactly what's going on, the whirlwind that's going on in my life. But when it's all said and done, what I've got to do is maintain my allegiance, my faith in Almighty God, don't I? What was it that got Job through all of these adversities? Do you remember what James said, James chapter 5? You have heard of the perseverance of Job. James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces what? Patience. Perseverance. In other words, the trials of life can be used as stepping stones to build spiritual maturity in our lives. I think about the words of Paul in Romans chapter 5. Paul said, Tribulation works perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. All Paul is saying there is, that when we face the trials or the tribulations of life, that that can lead to a persevering spirit. Do you remember the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 12? When the writer there called to mind those great men and women of God in days gone by, whose lives had been adorned by faith and obedience to Almighty God. He said, seeing you're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that is, all these great saints from the past, he said, let us lay aside every sin, the weight that so easily besets us, and run with patience or perseverance the race that's set before us. And then listen to this nugget. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer there simply saying that what we have to do when we face trouble, trial, discouraging times in life, we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord, don't we? Why? Because what the devil wants is you to take your eyes off the Lord, cast aside your faith, and give up. And by the way, in Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 3, the Hebrew writer talked about the fact that we might become weary and discouraged in our souls. If you had faced what Job faced, would you have been discouraged, despondent, depressed? Would you have given up, raised the white flag, said, you know what, I've had enough? Job didn't do that. So we have his comforters. And let me just share one other thought here before moving on to his conquest. Turn over if you would. You know, after the cycle of debates that The friends of Job, after their cycle of debates, and they never really proved their point to Job, in chapter 32, we have a young man by the name of Elihu who has listened to the debates as they have taken place. And because he was younger, he waited his turn. And the the text says in verse 1, so these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. And therein can lie a problem. And then Elihu speaks up. And the Bible says that his wrath was aroused because he justified himself rather than God. That is, speaking of Job. And so down in verse 6, he said, I'm young in years and you are very old. Therefore I was afraid and dared not declare my opinion my opinion to you. And I said age should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Great men are not always wise, nor do the aged always understand justice. That was certainly true with the three friends of Job. Now very quickly, our time's gone. Turn over if you would to chapter 42. Well, first of all, look at chapter 38. After Elihu's discourse. The text tells us in verse 1 of chapter 38 that the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And then look at verse 3. God said, prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. In other words, Job, I've got some questions for you. How do you like to be on that end of the spectrum? Well, Job didn't have an answer for all that God asked of him. So in chapter 42, verse 1, the Bible says that Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything, that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You shall, or rather you said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing ear. But now my eyes see you, therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So Job has been humbled, demonstrates a penitent spirit. And then the Lord said, it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, My wrath is aroused. My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, and I'll accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Verse 9, the text says that they did He did as the Lord commanded, and the Lord accepted Job. And then verse 10 and following, the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And then in verse 16, the Bible says he lived 140 years after these terrible events. So the conquest of Job. One person has said with regard to the book of Job that Many people see in this book something about patience, perseverance. But this person said, I see in this book the goodness of God. God was good to Job throughout the entirety of these events. Job came to understand something about himself came to understand something about the nature of Almighty God. God loves us as His creation, doesn't He? It would be great if we lived in a world that was immune to suffering and trial, but the fact of the matter is we live in a world that is subjected to trial and heartache. So what we have to do is try to navigate our life to the best of our ability through the difficulties and trials that come our way. Maintain our faith and allegiance in God and to have the spirit of Job who said the long ago, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. To demonstrate a persevering spirit. To say, you know what, I'm in this thing for the long haul. No, No matter what happens, come what may, I'm going to be faithful to God. Sometimes that's easier said than done, isn't it? But to be faithful to God no matter what. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.